Hello, Sansa. So, Luke, this is going to be awkward. We're kicking it old school. Because we're old fools who are so cool. Gee. By the known rules. <laughs> That's all I got. I'm not very good at rapping. No. You're also not really good at being a person in general. No, no. Very poor. Very poor. <laughs> very poor. Very poor. So, so Luke and I, here's just a funny thing. So last week's episode, which is the greatest episode of all time, apparently, I don't understand <laughs> our fans. It. I don't understand our fans, Luke. I don't. They love this episode about Spider-Man and art and film. And literally, I had a Wikipedia page open about the Mona Lisa and pretended like I was smart. <laughs> and it was so funny because that is the fastest downloaded episode of all time. We hit 8,000 downloads in less than one week. I feel like the most catching, the most catching Fox's ever thing is that following the most fastest downloaded episode, we decided to just not release one the time we usually do, <laughs> which is like the worst thing you can possibly do in podcast land. We follow up success with eh, mild forgetfulness. <laughs> <laughs> Slash, oh yeah, we probably should have taken care of that. Whoops. Well, the, I mean, okay, so the, the thing was we did take care of it. We recorded two episodes that night. Back to back, it was super late at night when we started recording, and we were talking, and I just wanted to talk about Spider-Man a little bit as, like, the bantery intro, mm -hmm. and then it became a thing, and I loved where it was going. I actually, I really liked that episode. I still, did, too. I still don't understand why everyone else loved it, and, um, but, but, the, uh, we recorded a totally, uh, we just kept talking, and then there was a distinct turn where I brought up the Catholic Leaders Convocation. Uh, to kind of respond to some people that have sent us messages. And um, you, we had, a, I think, a pretty good conversation, but I intentionally egged you on to negativity. Yeah, and I, it's, I mean, I'll be honest, it's definitely something that I can, that I struggle with. And so, and I want to really avoid that. I, I don't want the podcast to become a thing where it's like, and now here's Lou just cursing out different people. <laughs> uh, that's like the exact opposite of what I want. And well, so, I will say this, I will say this. So, uh, Sister Miriam listened to that episode, <gasps> and she, well, I'm not going to say she liked everything you had to say, or I had to say. She definitely could agree with uh, a lot of the points that you were making, and she wanted me to say thank you for your kind comment about her talk. Ah, nice. Now I feel so guilty. I, I just want to say this. Sister, <laughs> Sister Miriam is the real deal. Mm -hmm. She the real deal. I have met a handful of nuns. Actually, I will say that almost every nun I've ever met in my entire life is the real deal. Let me put that one out there. There are far better nuns, women who are nuns, than there are priests, men who are priests. Yeah, I seriously. I feel like, I feel like, I don't know. What do you think is going on there, Luke? What do you think is going on? Uh, well, I think everyone who didn't take... It's very easy to project and assume things. So I think that's what we do one, best. One of the reasons why there's you have religious orders back in the day is you no, know, it's, it's a very complex thing. So just to like say it's this is ridiculous. So one of the one of the but many, many reasons. <laughs> no, no, but like just there, there is this one dynamic to it of that it was an option and it was 
like one of your only options. It was yeah. a good option to become a nun. It meant that you were going to eat and then you were going to be taken care of and that you had an actual a pretty a pretty important job within the context of that um, of that society, which was to pray for people because a lot of people didn't have the amount of leisure time that we have, yeah. so which means they could not devote as much time as we could to the as we can to their own interior life. So there are people praying for them on their behalf while everyone else is trying to stay alive. Uh, now, that's a gross oversimplification of the whole thing, but it is a reality. And, and, so as, and also think about it from the perspective of women in the Middle Ages, in the Dark Ages, in the early Renaissance, all, pretty much all the way up to the modern times. Women had three options, essentially, mm-hmm, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were married and they were wives and mothers and they did the home chores, whether you were a farmer or a cobbler or whatever. They became religious or they were spinsters. They were the single women who, for the most part, lived at home. They didn't have options. And so probably you had a lot more amazing women who had an, more, I, I mean, an independent spirit, you know, whatever it is, enter the nunnery uh, than you would uh, yeah, but how does that get translated today? Well, vocations are down, but I think there are still so many inspiring women entering because mm-hmm. they're inspired by the previous generation's women that were awesome. And uh, Well, and, and, and I think they're responding to an actual vocation where – and I'm not trying to say that people didn't have a vocation that were a nun before, but it really is a I'm doing this out of a choice that I feel called to do this. I think people had that in the past, but it's it's – you know – yeah. Um, it's it's the same thing as in if you look at groups like Net or groups like Focus, I bet you my next paycheck that the amount of applications they have goes up during a recession. Oh, right, right, right. You know, so because people I think just don't mentioned have... that before. I think you mentioned that before. Yeah. I mean, it just like it makes sense. You know, like people don't <laughs> 2008 have 2008 was a better year. Not for the government, <laughs> but for Net Ministries. <laughs> you know, and uh, I mean, I have no idea. I'm uh, and it uh, I, I think. It's not a bad thing because, like, God works in our concrete reality. And so if you don't have, you know, a lot of options for employment, especially gainful employment, a thing like net could be something that the Lord calls you to during that point in time because of what your options are. So I do think that, yeah, like there are nuns who probably felt called to it that perhaps had they been born 20 years later. Maybe that's not their calling, you know, because I can like I've never met an old angry nun ever. And oh, man, where are you my, hanging out? Uh, my mom has <laughs> – exactly. Um, that's like all of the memories that my mom has of like all of the nuns at her school were just like angry old ladies. Yeah. You know, and that's just – I mean if, if you talk to a lot of baby boomers, yep. they like – there's some who are like angry because of the nuns they had in their school were just terrible to them. Yeah, there like, was a lot of them. Yeah, there was a lot that left the church because of that. Uh, my dad affectionately had a nun that in his school, and her name was the nickname was Sister Hercules. And my uncle punched her as hard as he could in the face uh, because she beat. How old was he? He was uh, like a junior or senior in high school. Oh whoa! Yeah, he tried to he tried to knock her out because she beat his brother, my uncle Billy, with the side of the ruler, not the flat. I mean, there, it's obviously all flat parts, but. The part that doesn't bend when you hit someone, mm-hmm. you know, and beat him from his Achilles tendon all the way up to his neck. Oh, he couldn't. Boy. So my dad would say, when the nuns would hit us, we'd come home, and then our mother would hit us because my dad was raised by a single mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
And he said, but my brother Billy walked through the door, and my mom took one look at him and called the, you know, called the school or whatever. But so my uncle hits her. She falls down, jumps right back up, chases him. He runs to the one place a nun in the 1950s would never go, priest rectory. <laughs> she would have went into that bathroom, no problem, and body slammed him. Priest rector, you the priest, goes, what is the meaning of this? He goes, I want to transfer to public school. And he goes, why? And she said, I just, I just punched Sister Hercules. You got it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Yeah, I mean, the um, 1950s and the 1960s, I think for as much as we complain about a lot of the post-Vatican II changes, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of us would be calling for those things to happen had we been around during that time. It is it is fascinating to me. So I'll, I'll talk to a handful of people who are, you know, octogenarians, and they will talk I have about... no idea what you mean by that. 80-year-old people. Oct- uh, that makes sense. From the Latin... Yeah. Hang out with the 80-year-olds? I do now that I do adult formation. They're called my senior <laughs> pals, Luke, and they are my pals, and we're seniors. Oh, I've got a great, I've got a great story to tell you, but keep, keep going. No, but they'll tell you. I mean, they literally tell you horror stories of what it was like, and there are plenty of wonderful nuns back then. But there, there, mm-hmm. there must have been. And you know, I had this old Irish priest, born in Ireland, um, transferred to South Africa, dad's job in probably the 1940s when he was in his teens. And he talks about the difference between Irish nuns, South African, or the Irish, the South African, and the um, Americans. And he said, when I was in Ireland, everyone, people don't realize this, Ireland is a very serious place. And it is filled with depressed and very serious people. And I was like, really? When I think of Ireland, I think of like, you know, like, I think of Boston Celtics. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you're Boston Celtics. Um. No, I think of I think of like happy people singing fun yeah. songs and drinking mm-hmm. in pubs and art and especially poetry and like all this stuff like that. Like I don't think of, but it, it wasn't merry old England. It was merry old England's bitch, right? So they were coming out of, I mean, literally centuries of subjection and subjugation. That's the word I was looking for, and oppression and potato famines and all this stuff. It was a very hard place for people. It was like the depression went on for. A centuries instead of instead of a decade like it did in the states, and so you had this a very hard people who are very serious, and as they're all pouring into America, they brought that with them, and then he talks about when he and this guy is born in Ireland, one hundred percent Irish, moves to South Africa. He said it was a night and day different. They were Irish priests, or no, they weren't Irish. Excuse me, they were they were South African priests. They were Salesians, and he said, I remember I was in elementary school, and an Irish priest was walking by while we were playing soccer. And we kicked the ball over to him, and he, like, took the ball and threw it over the fence and said, how dare you, I'm a priest. <laughs> and then when he, goes to, when he goes to high school in South Africa, the Salesians played soccer with them every single period. And, of course, he enters the priesthood because that was his model. But if all mm-hmm. you know is the bitter, the angry, the rage, the distance, the isolation, the separation, it's going to be bad news bears, man. What do you do with cultural rage? Uh, you hashtag it. You hashtag yeah, seriously. it. Seriously, you know I, that's actually been on my mind a little bit with this quote that John Paul. I, I feel like we steal from them all the time, so I'm so sorry. But uh, the Catholic stuff, you should know. They quoted John Paul too about how activism um, it leads to uh, leads to, it leads to like a minimalist ethic and a shallow religiosity. And I, and I just kind of like thought about like our time period and like when we hashtag things, it's like that's that happening. Luke, I want to be a part of the conversation. 
Hey, I'm going to be a part of the conversation. I'm woke. I don't know what yes. woke means. I think I just said something racist. <laughs> I just had a conversation with uh, uh, podcast listener Hannah about that uh, last last night. About she explained to me what woke meant. It meant it's chill. I, I, like I I don't know if woke means you're stoned. But I think it means like a lot of people will say like, "Oh, I'm woke because I'm high and I'm just chilling." Oh, really? I thought woke meant like I I done woke the heck up, and I'm now part of Black Lives Matter. Hmm. No, I think it means like you're chill. Hey, I can could you be tell, wrong. Can you tell how white we are right now that we I know and how old we are? <laughs> I'll like, never, I will never forget Dave Chappelle talking about uh, a, like a Lil Wayne song, and he says mm-hmm. this word. I, I don't think I'm going to say it because it is gross, but he says like. And they don't even bleep out, blah, blah, blah. And he says the word. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? And he starts laughing. And everyone in the audience is laughing. And then he says, white people don't even know what that means. And I was like, holy shit, he's talking about me. I thought I was cooler than that. (laughs) And just the (laughs) other day, I'm driving from Texas up to Missouri, which was terrible. And uh, I'm driving up there, and I'm listening to a early 2000s rap playlist. As you do. I am in heaven. This is these every song is my jam. And uh which that phrase was invented in Ireland. And uh and so as I'm listening to this, my jam. a guy yells out the very the word and I was like, Huh. I've n I never knew I heard that song. And here's a song that I love, and I would always say that word over and over again. And now I felt like a total idiot, and I went right back there. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, hey, we're woke. I just have this feeling I'm going to be hanging out with like some people and be like, hey, guys, I'm totally woke. I, <laughs> hashtag Black Lives Matter. And they'll be like, what the hell did you just say? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I've me? tried. <laughs> I want to know. I grew up in a bubble called Franciscan. <laughs> I grew up in a bubble called Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. <laughs> I grew up in a bubble called American Catholicism. Can you help me? <laughs> Uh yeah. Topics. We got topics, kids. <laughs> topics out the wazoo. Luke, you know what we're gonna have to do, brother? Ten minute topics? Not right now. Not tonight. Dear Lord, no. not tonight. But <laughs> because of our Patreon supporters, we've had multiple supporters adjust their bid from five and ten dollars a month to thirty dollars a month. What what what? Do you know Why? what thirty do you know what thirty dollars a month does for a Patreon supporter? Uh, yes, I do, but you go ahead and tell the kids. Well, one of the things is they get to suggest their own 10-minute topic. What? We need to get those. I know. And so, we people, have like five people who are donating $50 a month. You know what we have to do for them? They need to give us a new role for the Catholic, fo- Catholic, Catholic, holy crap, I need to relax, uh, catching foxes, drinking game, and a Skype conversation? And a seven-minute <laughs> interview, not a Skype conversation, they're supposed to be in the show. <laughs> We know what we were doing when we planned. I've, I've like heard from like tons of people who did Kickstarter that the worst part of the Kickstarter is like the gifts. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And worst know, slash best, worst slash best. Well, one of the things is uh, everyone but ten people should have gotten a sticker, and we mailed all those out. Enjoy your stickers. And the reason why 10 people don't is because we ran out because I gave you too many and we gave them all away. But I had, and then I had too much to drink in Atlanta. I just started giving them out to everyone. Luke, Luke literally just set a stack on the corner of the table and this girl came up. Gave, didn't she give you a pitcher of beer? They gave me. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And then she walked away with like 20 stickers. And I was like, huh. I, I'm not going to huh. lie. That was the easiest money I've ever made. 
like hands down, <laughs> bar none. And I thank them for that. It was a really great experience, and I hope that people enjoyed it. But I was like, you are paying me to literally do what like my wife is ashamed of. <laughs> <laughs> to be loud, to have a microphone, and to drink a little bit more than I probably should. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, why don't you fly us out to your next event? <laughs> yeah, seriously. We're, I, it's, it's, you know what sucks is I miss seeing you. Because I, I, like, we hung out like three times, and now I'm like, oh, Luke, you um, know what you need to do? You need Luke to get Texas. woke. We need to do a live thing and get woke. We do. We need to do a live podcast. I've got an idea for a tour. I'm telling you. I think it'd be kind of cool. I think we could pull it off. The We'll call, we'll call it the Catching Foxes Woke Tour. <laughs> Catching Foxes Woke. And we're going to have a bus, and uh, we're going to drive the bus. I'm just kidding. We're going to drive a bus. Um, but I, I've got an idea, man. I've got an idea. Uh, you know what you should do with that idea? Hmm. Tell it to everyone and then not follow through with it. Well, that's, that's a catching box's bump right there. <laughs> that's a catching box's slump. <laughs> here's what we're going to do. We're going to interview Rick Warren. We're going to interview uh, Tony Rialli. And we're going to do a tour. Man, we got to do Tony Rialli. He would love to I be know. on our show. I need to reach out to him again. Um, uh, yeah, I forgot that, like, because I was at uh, the amazing. So, for everyone who does not know, he's an ESPN per- personality who I like a lot, and he agreed to come on the podcast to talk about some stuff that he had talked about in terms of um, Ash Wednesday and whatnot. And I was at the Amazing Parish con- conference, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't do it now. I'm here. I don't have any of my stuff." And then I was like, "Can you do it on Thursday night?" So caught up in this conference i forgot that thursday night was the start of the uh, ncaa tournament i was like oh wait no you yeah you can't can you yeah you're you're done for the next like three weeks so then i felt a lot of shame and then and then i was like who's tony reale i better do some research and then because i don't do sports ball and then my friend joey uh immediately got angry with me and said you're not allowed to be on that episode i'm gonna be on that episode Instead of you. And I said, oh, that probably was better, though. <laughs> that probably should happen. Yeah. Um, but in terms – okay, so actually I think we hit on – do we want to keep just keep on, on, on rambling? I'm fine with that. I, I'm completely rambling. fine. This is, this is cutting edge, Luke. <laughs> this is what we do. Um, I thought we were on to kind of a good thing. We were talking about uh, culture and nuns and then i forgot all the points i'm guess what i'm drinking right now this is really important everyone uh water pappy van winkle <gasps> yep this drink if i were to order this at a bar it would cost me at least a hundred dollars easily does it taste like a hundred dollars yeah it's actually phenomenal it's it's kind of like when you go into your friend who actually had a real major in school and you get into his car when he's like 32 and you're like oh my gosh this is like a really, really nice car. And you're like, it does the same thing as my car, except 30 times better. <laughs> that's what I feel like every time I get a subcompact rental that's made in the same <laughs> decade. I'm like, whoa, these seats don't have broken handles? <laughs> <laughs> There's not Cheerios on here? and It's weird. <laughs> Number one, why am I eating so many damn Cheerios? I'm supposed to be paleo. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, oh, dude, I've fallen off the ketogenic diet bandwagon, and it makes me sad. It is so – I was flawless until my first Steubenville conference in Canada. And I'm like, you know mm-hmm. what? I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going to go crazy. I'm going to indulge, but I'm not going to go crazy. Every time we go out, I'm going to order something good. Healthy. But you know how those Canadians are. 
I got salads with chicken on it every single time and beer. And then more beer. And then and then I got no more beer. No, bad beer. But these 12 muffins. <laughs> good muffins. Have to be eaten right now. I, Luke, it is so hard. I did such a good job when we were in Atlanta. And then I totally messed up. Once like more like once work got – that's when it's hard. The hardest part is working when you have to travel or just – or when you're not home. And um, I think with me and Aaron, you think, oh, you don't have any kids. You have more time. But the problem is when you both come home from work and it's like 6.30 and you're exhausted, um, you just want to eat then. And you're like, you know what's good? Uber Eats. And then you do that and then you feel a lot of guilt. And you're like, we're going to change this. And then the next day you're like, do you know what's good? Five guys. And so on and so on and so on. Do you ever feel weird that we outsource so much of our lives to corporations like the very food we eat? Yes. I've actually had some really – when I was talking – so I I gave a talk the other day on the Anima Technia Vacua. And I think I have it nailed down. I think I actually have a decent 20-minute talk on it that's actually quite fascinating. Okay. Uh, But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I mean it's right here. uh, well, except, okay, this is actually what I was going to tell you. There was like a very elderly grandmother there, and she goes at the end, that was a great talk. You should put that on a CD. And I was like, you are adorable. Oh, uh, I you could say a dork. You're a dork. Get out of here. No one uses <laughs> CDs. You either use vinyl records or it's streaming. Yeah. No geriatric. This isn't the place for you. Um, what are you, Gomer? Was- what do you think? CDs are better than vinyl? <laughs> you know what? They are. I'm Luke, and I just admitted that. I don't even – I would never do that, first of all. Second, I don't even have – I don't think my computer even has, like, CDR capabilities. So how could I record it? Um, but the best part is apparently her and all of her friends, they get together, and they, like, go to um, a Panera, and they trade Lighthouse Media C- CDs. <laughs> how amazing is that? Oh, that parish needs formed.org so they never have to see each other again. <laughs> yeah, because it's working, right? Um, I uh... Luke Carey, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> a little barb, a little, little, little twist on the knife. Sorry, no, I'm just kidding. Um, can I tell you what I use formed.org for? Nothing like this? Yeah. And then you can tell us your awesome story about your new talk. Okay. I require every candidate for RCIA, so all the unbaptized people, I require them to watch all of the Catholicism series before we do our first event, our first gathering together after my initial interview. Because when you read the dang right itself, it says, those who are in the pre-catechumenate or inquiry should already have the working knowledge of the faith, shouldn't already live their moral life large, largely in conformity with the Catholic Church's teaching, and should have a prayer life where they're calling on God regularly. And I was like, huh, that's kind of what we treat the catechumenate for. Huh. They should already have a knowledge, a working knowledge of who God is, the church, the scriptures. Shoot, I'm doing this backwards. So basically it's written for mission fields where there's a mission priest teaching people about Catholicism. They're coming for years, and then they're like, you know what, we want to become Catholic. Great, now you're in the catechumenate. Let's do this for one more year, and then I'll baptize you. But when that gets translated into North America, it's like, ah, yeah, go take an eight-week class. So the inquiry part is always the weakest link. So some places do, like, Alpha for Catholics or different things. I We use Matthew Kelly's Rediscover Jesus 
we kind of walk through that, but man, I don't, I don't know. So I require them now to have the Catholicism series finished before we teach them. So at least they have some broad outlines. Hmm. I met with a woman and I, and I gave her all that information. She hadn't watched a video yet. And she's like, well, can we meet? And so I drove down to Starbucks and we met at a Starbucks. And then she told me that she believed in reincarnation. And I said, the Catholic church doesn't. And she goes, well, that's a deal breaker for me. And she just folded up her stuff and left. No, at least she was honest. Yeah. She said, good luck with your little thing. And I was like, either (laughs) that's that's a penis joke or she's unaware that the Catholic church is the largest church in the world. (laughs) If it's a penis joke, she's factual. If it's dissing the Catholic (laughs) church, she couldn't be more wrong. Right. (laughs) Um, No, but, you know, you've got a a, uh, – I mean, that's kind of stinks that that was her deal breaker. But at the same time, like – at least she was honest. Yeah, no, I'm just like it. not sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I mean, I, I cried at a Starbucks, but <laughs> Gomer, I'm the one who speaks on behalf of the audience. Um, <laughs> so Luke, the audience is dying to hear about your talk. Oh, uh, the whole oh, uh, the whole point was just the grandma. Uh, it's something else, but I forget now. Anima technia vacua. Come on, talk about it. I mean, we've said. Oh, wait, no, really your not. talk. What, what do you do? What do you, so I basically, uh, I basically tied into how it's, but how it manifests itself both in the busy everyday world and within our own, within our um, own laziness. So it's not just this thing that really is just about. Because uh, I think sometimes when people talk about, it, they tend to go one or one way or the other, and it's really both. It's this thing that uh, when Father John Nepple talked about it on their podcast, that it's basically. Sat, saturated the entire, like all of the Western culture, pretty much all of Western culture. Yeah, and so I basically kind of trace like this is where it comes from. This is what it does to us. This is how it manifests its 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 its, uh, its uh, itself, and how it both like feeds into and is enhanced by our current uh, technological and. Um, the sexual trends of the day. So, for example, um, like it's almost like what came first, the chicken or the or the or the egg, with a thing like Snapchat. It, is Snapchat big because everyone's horny, or are people horny because of Snap 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 uh, Snapchat? You know, and it, <laughs> like in reality, I think it's you know just that it's like a little bit of both. Like people, you know, like, cause what's always the biggest, like the big joke when the internet first came out was that porn sites were the, were when people's counted how many times people went to a uh, site and they would always like rank them. They would say, Oh, the top site is geocities.com. And I, I can distinctly remember a daily show joke where he says, then it like, in reality, it's the 11th millionth site after porn, you know, or, or something yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, like that. And, you know, it's did the internet create this demand for porn or is the demand for porn there and the inter- and the internet was able to meet that i think it's like a little bit of both the more you go down that road the more that you want it and stuff and that's what the anima technia vacua does because it just keeps you there yeah i would definitely say it's it's what you call a feedback loop right so like the more the more something that is seedy arousing pleasurable but also illicit becomes available the easier the access is the more you're going to have the untutored human nature desiring it right Mm -hmm. i mean if you don't have people who are chased and you have pornography with zero accountability 
and everyone's walking around with a damn internet communications device in their pocket, you're going to have porn addiction that's going to be widespread. Uh, you know, I think it's just hard, hardwired in our human nature that we we desire pleasurable things, arousing things, and the illicit nature of it. Like I know porn is wrong, but that is what makes it even more enticing and more thrilling. You know. But it, mm-hmm. it goes around and goes around. You know, one of the things that I was thinking of, um, I'm re-listening to that wonderful book, The World Beyond Your Your Head. and I'm listening to it as well. Oh, really? Good, 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 good. And, and it, I'm, on the po- I'm on the part about the motorcycles, if you just want to. Oh, it's awesome. Okay, yeah. Chapter 9. And uh, they... He's such a nerd. He says something, like, really amazing about, like, how prevalent... So, okay, so you have your talk. I had a talk that I tried to talk about the anima technique of Vacua, but I didn't get to it. So right now at all the Steubenville conferences, and for those of you who don't know, I'm in a hotel room on hotel Wi-Fi, which I'm amazed that it has worked this well. You sound great. Yeah, I just I just thought that while yeah. you were talking earlier. It is amazing. As we hit the 30-minute mark, um, and I just finished Friday night, and I have a keynote on Friday night, and I don't have the keynote or the workshop tomorrow. On Saturday at every Steubenville conference, there's like 32 of them, um, there is a basically a social media presentation. And the way I structure mine, the whole point of the talk is to say the good and the bad and how to be how to be prepared to deal with social media. And there's that Simon Sinek video where he talks about millennials in the workplace, which is I, I think a really great video. I don't now that I've done more research on millennials, I don't agree with it all away, but but he has some really cool stuff where he talks about the dopamine receptors in your mind and how uh, text messaging. Uh, did you ever do this, uh, especially in the early days of text messaging, where you're bored or you're lonely or whatever? So you send out a bunch of text messages just to see who will say hi back. Oh yeah. And he's like, you know, it it actually causes a dopamine hit. That's why we do it. You know, that's why we check mm-hmm. the likes or the thumbs up and all that stuff. And there is a direct connection between that. And in the book, he talks about um, little toddlers who use those um, VTech pads and i had one he described it where there's like a a, like a five key keyboard there's like a plastic book and and when you turn the pages there's like three pages when you turn them whatever animal is there it'll make an animal noise there's all this you know like these small little manipulables and then it results in a lights going off or a sound and he said when i tried to take that away from my toddler you thought like he's like i thought it was like crack cocaine to a toddler and he said, but it made me think that they, that that kid was experiencing some form of agency because toddler bodies are crazy, right? Like they can't really do anything that's mm-hmm. good, but here they can slap a keyboard and it goes bing and then plays a fun little song. And you take that and you look at, you know, the just social media and that instant feedback of a thumbs up or a like or a whatever, and the little dopamine hit you get there. You look at it in terms of video games, especially on the iPhone how they're meant to be, we call them casual games, but they're meant, to, like Clash of Clans is, is scientifically designed to be addictive, to pull, separate you from your money through in-app purchases, the little rewards that they sneak out. So I go through all of that, which is kind of a train wreck, but to show people how likes are invented to keep you glued, like Facebook came out with the new f- news feed because Twitter's news feed was, you know, they were in a little war with Twitter. But the whole point was, how can we keep more eyeballs on Facebook longer so that we can serve ads? You know, and then using video. As soon as, I mean, we are hardwired as human beings. As soon as we see objects in our foreground shift, our, our attention is drawn to that. When you're watching TV, it shifts every second. 
And so you're, mm-hmm. you're so that's why you, it's hard when you're in like a hotel bar or a um, uh, airport bar with 50 TVs everywhere to look at the person in front of you. You want to look at the TV, and then you look at that to gambling with slot machines. And I think I talked about that. It's like it's it's insane. And then I think about it with my phone and how once you disable the color, a lot of the whiz bang nature that kind of draws you in is gone. Yeah, it's totally unattractive. Which is insane. It's so funny to me because you you still have the likes, you still have all that stuff, and that's the thing is designers scientifically weigh the co- what how colors affect people. You know, it used to be it used so let me, just think about this difference. I went on a tour of an English church that was uh, it's built in Houston. It's the the Cathedral of Our Lady of Wellsingham, which is the the English uh, the adaptation of the Anglican Rite for the Catholic Church, and this this beautiful traditional English sculpture or English architecture, and in the window they talk about how stained glass artists carefully select the colors that are going into their glass because blues and reds are terrible next to each other but during the daytime you want more blues because it's more soothing and peaceful and at nighttime you want more reds because it draws out um, as the sun is setting the, the that like wavelength really is pronounced within the red and how these artists knew this and when they would sculpt uh, or uh, stain a glass for a particular scene they would choose where it was going to go in a church and what image was going to be on it and what kind of connection to the colors that they wanted you to feel. So you take that knowledge of some profound religious truth and it's driving that truth even more into your heart. And then you have something like Candy Crush Saga, which does everything they can do to just remove your money from your wallet. And I think of that profound difference, right? You can use color for good. You can use color for evil. But it, we respond so powerfully to these things, but we don't even think about it, you know? Yeah. No, and I, and I definitely I – mean, we've talked about this before, but we are absolutely – I think it bears repeating. We're at a time right now where we need to think about how we use these things or if we even should. I mean, yeah. honestly, it's kind of ridiculous that perhaps the most philosophically important film of, the last, of our lifetime will be Jurassic Park. <laughs> you know, and now we're selling it. Well, because like so much of the stuff that's going on comes down to that line where he goes, you, you were so preoccupied with uh, with like whether or not you could that you, that you never stopped to think of you should, which is exa- like it's yeah, ridiculous. Absolutely. But I've, I've like thought of that line during several times, like of just like t- different things that I'm seeing that we're doing. I'm like, oh, should we like I'm so pumped for virtual reality, especially with sports. I'm just like, oh, my Wait gosh, till you get to but chapter then, 11. But part of me is like, what is going to happen? Like, I want to watch this with people, you know, and how is this going to isolate me in terms of how I watch these things and how I partake in that? Like, is this really a good idea? And I know there's like, we've got a buddy of ours um, who works on this stuff. And I'm so pumped to see like, and I can know that you've experienced it, but it's just definitely um, and the possibilities for evangelization and stuff. But I mean, I can remember a uh, priest buddy of ours talking about when he saw the passion of the Christ, he almost didn't want to go because he wanted to, his images of this event when he would do his, um, his Ignatian re- retreats or whatever. He wanted them to be his, not that of, of the movie. And I, and I understand that, but I, I think like, um, I don't think it's true for everyone. I think we just need to be aware of that. Like for, so for him, 
they might not you know what i mean it's just yeah. that's so but like but then it, it also can get to the point of like well what about art yeah what about different art that has images of christ and things like that like that's like is that bad of course not uh, so i um, think each medium like you know staring at a stained glass window the reason why the colors being chosen there versus the colors being chosen in candy crush saga is the people who make the window are not getting money from you they are they got paid for making the window Right, and it's not like they get look uh, cash per look, you know, and so mm-hmm. the incentive yet <laughs> the incentive of the stained glass maker is to use color f- as as the medium to convey the message, right? And the message is the Annunciation or the rose window on Notre Dame or whatever. Mm-hmm. The purpose of color in Candy Crush Saga is to get you addicted to it. You know, and it and it's and it's meant as a way to facilitate a transfer of wealth, right? Okay. I'm yeah. oh, sorry. No, no, no. You you're gonna say something amazing. Go on. Let me ask you this, and I, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but have you ever, or have you seen anyone else try to almost do the same thing within the context of evangelization? I'm going to. Uh, manipulate this. I'm going to oh, do this. Oh, 100%, 100%. Try to have that it's just so I can get you to get this. The mm-hmm. hyper-predictability of programs and processes is – so one time I was on a retreat, and I really hated the retreat. Uh, I walked out on the retreat. I was giving all the talks. It was beyond me to control the retreat, but I, walk, I walked out like three or four times. I'm like, I got to get some fresh air. I got to get some fresh air. There was a priest friend of ours, Father Paul. And we would go and talk about it, and he would say, why are you so upset? And i say, do you see what they're doing? They're playing with teenagers' emotions. Here comes the music. Mm-hmm. Music gets cut off. Here's this thing, and here's this. And I, I was like, you know, if they had $10,000 more, this could be dangerous. You know, this could be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not about augmenting. See, it's, it's one thing to do something beautiful. I think of, like, performance art and ballet and dance. Like they, you know, you use the environment and the music to draw attention to the meaning being conveyed. Mm-hmm. And then once th- this is what I would say is the difference. The emphasis is on conveying the meaning versus having an experience. Yeah. Right. So the the experience that one has while watching art being performed is being a part of that, you know, spectating at it and, and being there. The difference is when we so like for instance when you use like when I was at that thing when I was in Cincinnati, the evangelical church using laser beams during praise and worship. You know, I feel like that is it, you know in fog machines and all that. I feel like that is incredibly manipulative. Like mm-hmm. this is supposed to be an intense experience, and then you have the <laughs> quietness, and then they ramp it up big, right? And like a club. I. Right. I mean, they, they With just all... as much cocaine. <laughs> oh, like a homeschool prom. Um, yeah. Literally, I said that tonight. I was talking with a priest, and we were, he was making fun of homeschoolers because I was one. And so I was going, and I said, listen, they were like, your homeschool prom was so lame. And I go, my homeschool prom had more cocaine than any public school prom. <laughs> and he started laughing, and Sister Miriam was laughing. And I, and I leaned over to her, and I go, because I'm the one that brought it. <laughs> But yeah, um, I do. I do think, and and you know, the, at that one mm-hmm. retreat, I said the thing that pisses me off the most is right when the kids are crying. 
they're going to ask them to give their lives to Jesus. To, an, to like an A minor chord being played in the background. And they will. And they'll go home and they'll tell mom and dad it was the best retreat I ever had. That was an amazing experience. Their parents will call the priest, tell them it was amazing, it was wonderful, thank you. And you have job security. And two weeks later, maybe one kid is still there. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this honestly, to me, um, this ties back into what we were talking about earlier with uh, the reincarnation uh, gal is that when you do not respect the freedom of the other person to either choose or reject, like if okay, if you if you if you respect that, yeah, yeah. you don't have any other choice but to just have a beautiful um, event experience that is not dependent upon the reaction of the people that are there. Yeah. So they can that they can they can enter into it or they can reject it with com- with complete freedom, and because it's about Christ, it's and you're not it's it's or it's about beauty, it's about goodness, it's about truth, which is Christ. So, um, I think we get away from that. Or I think that I think that's um, we've been. So, I mean, listen, if I had been if I was in youth ministry, if I'd gotten the job to I don't know if you remember this, I. Uh, was asked to interview for this like youth ministry job in Atlanta, like in 2007, I think. Um, Let me I'd... consult my Luke job journal that I keep on my computer at all time. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I was in the suburb of Atlanta, and uh, it was actually 2006. 2006. Constantly being updated every two to three years. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Millennials rising. Oh, man. I, yeah, I'm going through that. Uh, it, uh, if another six months. And this will be the longest I've been in any one job. Uh, <laughs> hey, and I just want to let you know the house next to us is up for for sale. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move that badly. Uh, actually, I just saw on a thing um, Matt Matt Frad put up a thing saying that uh, it's that there's a great Catholic family that is close to him that it, that town um, is that uh, is moving, and he hopes like that they have a new person who comes in and is Catholic. And I tagged Aaron in that post. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But she just got a new job, so we're not we're not gonna be going anywhere anytime yeah, soon. Okay, finish yeah. your thought. Finish your thought. Um, no, just we need to respect. Um, let it be beautiful for beauties, uh, for beauties, uh, for the sake of beauty, and they will. Nice fa- save, Luke. Nice save. I like it. Yeah. I uh, see. This is why you have me here, yeah. dude. Isn't it crazy? I feel like we are. This is our 99th episode. Holy crap! And we're late in getting it out. I feel <laughs> so bad. I know. Next week's the 100. The big one zero zero. Oh man. No. You know what? Okay. I just want to go back and beat to the dead horse. The as we are known to do. As we are known to do. You uh, know what you came here for, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even try to pretend like it's not. But there was. Okay. So think of that retreat. I remember talking with Bob Rice, who's a professor at Franciscan University. During, nice man. and Very nice man. And he said, uh, I, f- I found out that the Bishop of Springfield, his last name is Rice, and Bob Rice introduced him as my brother, my older brother, Bishop Rice. <laughs> so funny. Um, he said that the, the mortal sin of youth ministry is emotional manipulation. Because their emotions are already out of control. And to do things that directly manipulate those emotions to get your end in your desired end is the, the most horrific thing you can do. He said, in fact, the most important thing you can do is to calm their emotions to a point where they can make 
the most deeply personal decision they can make. So I raised my hand and I went through this one retreat and he said to me, I would fire your youth minister. And I was like, well, I was just a speaker there. I don't, I don't know this person, you know, in any like a deep way. And there he was like, no, 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 seriously. What they are doing is they're building a culture where it's all, and you see it a lot, where it's all about the retreat. You got to go on this retreat. You got to go, oh, man, you're going to be balling on Saturday. You're going to be laughing on Friday. You're going to, you know, all this stuff. And he says, and I've seen it. And those churches have zero seniors in their youth group. Those churches have zero juniors in their youth group. It's all the, you know, freshmen and the sophomores and the retreats here, sophomore year and all this stuff. And, he's, and I said, well, what would you do? And he said, this is what I would do. In the middle of Saturday, I would give them all Bibles. I would give them a talk on, you know, Friday night and Saturday, a talk on who Jesus is and why he is God and why this matters. And then I would send them out to be alone with the Sermon on the Mount. And I would give them journal. And they would journal certain answers to questions. And he said, uh, and what, the last question was, am I ready to follow a man who asks this of me. And the whole point of that retreat, and then they'll do an altar, you know, altar call type thing or affirming your baptismal vows, whatever PC we have to think that we have to say. But they'll do that. He's like, I'll do that. And I'll do it in the context of praise and worship. He's like, I'm not anti-praise and worship. But within that context, they've already been making a rational decision completely separate from what's going on just at that moment at the end of the night. And I was like, oh, so you're schooling them in freedom to make a decision and then you let them that makes sense mm. I, I like it we should have bob rice on the show uh he already said he'd come on i thought you'd be more impressed with that no what that's that story yeah like how he does i mean that's literally how he no i thought it was great i thought it was great you know I, what I, you know what, i don't want to add anything else to it i was like that's great just, <laughs> just leave it be just leave it be and walk yeah. away let it just speak for itself girl not everything uh, not everything has to have a 30 minute uh comment thing to, involved with it i'm just saying <laughs> oh uh, man oh. how much time we got i, I want to pivot to one 47 minutes all right, good. Um, did you read the Game of Thrones article that Father Mike Schwit, Father Mike Schwit, uh, Father Mike Schmidt had tweeted about that I retweeted? Uh, I didn't read it. I went to go read it, and then I saw that my brother-in-law had commented on the article, and I said, "Huh? How weird is it that, that this national article?" He's like number two or number three, and I just closed it down. I was like, oh, "His opinion differs from mine." <laughs> that's awesome um yeah you know i um i'm gonna be very honest i'm at a point in my life where i can honestly say i will give up anything that the lord asked me to i i it, i feel um and i say that with um humble trust and luke confidence. give up happy van winkle <laughs> like <laughs> lord this is a two thousand dollar bottle Oh, wow. Drink up. Um, <laughs> Give me some. Sip a little something. <laughs> lay the rest to spill. Johnny at the bar running up a high bill. Let's jam some DC talk. <laughs> uh, uh, I love rap music. Always have and always will. There was um, a man with a tat on his big fat belly. It wiggled around like marmalade jelly. The other night I met a girl and she looked at me so nice. Asked for a date and did a thing. Anyways, uh, I can do that whole song. It's a Please. little pathetic. Oh, man. 
Go on. Uh, that's for the, that's for our uh, ten dollar Patreon supporters. Um, okay, so this article, in a nutshell, this guy said yeah, basically referred to Game of Thrones as Bizarro, um, a wizarding porn that people in when he was in high school, if they had watched it, would be shoved into a locker. Um, and he basically like he then he went through and said, "This is this is a guy who wrote the article and um, and Father Mike Schmidt had just re." tweeted it so um basically the idea is that it's bad and it's bad for you and um i don't know i don't agree with it completely but i definitely think it's a conversation that we need to be having like is this stuff like are we made to watch to see these things happen we are we are made to watch bizarro wizardry porn (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about you Like I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, no respect. I'll just like, get this at, like out of the way. What bothered me the the most about the article was just that it, it approved of bullying, and that really bothered me. As someone who like kind of had that going on in junior high school, at, like at least too. I mean, not, not as bad as like others, but I saw people be shoved into um, lockers. I saw people be slammed in into um, lockers. I've seen people be picked up against their own their like own will and like spun around in the air because they were small and helpless. Um, like that really bothered me. I'll be blunt. Like I really didn't like that. Um, so instead of like, you didn't like that analogy or whatever the guy used, but what about the argument? So, yeah. So that's the way the argument, I think. Can I, I just, can I say what I think yeah, really yeah, quickly? Okay. So we have a wonderful listener and by wonderful listener, I mean, he's listened to one episode. Heard us mention Game of Thrones and then wrote an email. Now I like this guy because he came at it a total gentleman. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. Yep. Yep. And he he said comments and he said I, I'm saying this because I love the show. I love you guys. I really like what you're doing. But if this is he's like and then he said and I don't I've only listened to a couple episodes or one episode. I don't know what your involvement in was born. And I was like oh episode eight I'll just send it to you. But uh, here's the deal. Okay. I'm a grown-ass man, and I have a magical button on my remote called Chapter Skip. And whenever it comes up, I hit the Chapter Skip button, and it's done. Mm-hmm. And I have a 10-second rewind. Boop! I, hit, I can hit that on my Apple TV. Did you know you had that on your Apple TV? You can if you program a normal television remote to be mm-hmm. an Apple TV remote. And I skip back, and I say, oh, look. Look, there's no porn here. I'll skip back a couple. Oh, there's porn. And I look away. You know why? Because I control my eyes. And I look away. Now, if you're a porn addict in the middle of pornography addiction and you're all alone and this stuff comes up and you can't push that skip button, then guess what? You should not be watching that show. Okay? There's tons of shows that have nudity in it. Braveheart. Boobies. Right? Sex scenes. Mm -hmm. You can skip that crap if you want to. Okay, get your stuff off VidAngel. <laughs> you can actually do that. You can actually skip. Now, then the next question: If God, do you think God wants you to watch this? I don't think. Like honestly, I don't. I think God would be pretty cool if you never turned on the television, including mm-hmm. and especially, and especially, TV news. I think TV news is one of the most wicked, corrupting things because it's intentionally bent to derive a sensationalistic response and to drive you away from actually thinking 
It just dumps on you, okay? Here, and I'm not talking about just the cable network news. I'm talking about even your local news. I think that stuff is crap. I think we all know it's crap. I think God would be would be more than pleased with you not watching a single thing ever. Do you think So You Think You Can Dance is appropriate? Do you think American Idol? Oh, you're an idol worshiper? That, you know, like, come on. There is so much as adults that we can use and discern here. Mm. And I don't think... I'm mortally sinning, or or even with my past with porn addiction, when I'm watching Game of Thrones, it's annoying to me because there are elements of yeah. it that are super gratuitous. It's not it's not like oh man, the, the that that guy's ginormous wiener on the screen that came out of nowhere because Clegane is peeing into a river. I was just thinking of <laughs> this is very yeah, exciting for me. Or yeah. ooh, that actor is popping up a, a pus thing on his balls. Because he was just complaining how he has a whatever STD, like uh, that. None of that stuff makes me want to push pause. Yes, I know there are sex scenes and beautiful women who are naked, but in that context, I'm not watching it for the arousal. And in fact, I find it annoying, and so I skip it. There are some. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Because when I think of Game of Thrones and why I like it, and, and I'm not listen again. If if God tells me in prayer, and I become very convicted that like i need to stop watching this i will i mean that like i'm i'm, I'm not i'm not above not like i'm i'm at a place right now where i'm like very open to like lord your will be done um but when i think of game of thrones it's not that that i think of it's like oh my gosh when is john snow gonna meet up with Daenerys? what's gonna happen with um him and um his sister it was half sister like well his cousin, um, you know, like it's it's the plot. It's this yeah. thing that I've just and, and it's like the drama of all of the, the characters and what's going to happen. How is this going to play out? That's by far. I don't like at times like I tend to even forget that's going to be like that it's going to have like nudity because I'm so like I don't turn it on going. Oh, can't wait to see this or oh, you know, like and it just. Um, I, 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 I do just get tired sometimes of and I, and I under, and again, I understand I respect people's opinion who don't think otherwise, except for when they degrade others that really bothered me. It really, really did. That's so unchristlike and not cool. Um, well, that, but, that author put that in there as an element of smug superiority. Yeah. Wizardry porn. Oh, look how cool I am. You bunch of Jared Tolkien freaks into the locker. You go with your fantasy novels. And I'm like, like you even started on any sports teams. But anyways, yeah. um, uh, let's just to that. It's, ugh. But anyways, um, but I think we need to come to a place as a church where we can disagree with someone like Father Mike Schmitz who might support that article and it'd be totally fine, you know, and it not be this like uh, a dividing thing. Or this not be this thing where it's like, oh my gosh, we don't agree on this. Uh, this is bad. He can't come on the pod. You know what I mean? Or like, or some. Yeah. Ups, I don't think anyone's yeah. doing that. But I think it's within Protestantism that happens a bunch, and I can see as the Catholic Church kind of starts to have a little bit of a um, a national dialogue going on as we have these people that are. Um, they um, you know have a voice and stuff because I I think there's more people who have a stronger voice in the church right now than there was maybe 20 odd years ago. I could be wrong. This is just my um, opinion. And 
that within the Protestant church, it was very easy to go, oh, if you don't agree with this, like you're wrong. Like this is, a, you know, like you're on the wrong side of uh, God. And I think the thing about the church that I really do like love is because we have this, we have the gift of faith and reason, we're allowed to have like nuances. And we need to, as a culture, as a group or whatever, we need to be aware of like, there are things we can disagree on and it's okay. There was a serial rapist who, when interviewed about his family of origin, said, I was five years old when I saw Princess Leia in that bikini in the third movie. Where else was I supposed to go? Right? So he blames it all on that exposure. Now, maybe mm-hmm. him seeing her in that metal bikini thing as a slave slave Leia was, uh, you know, it, a thing that deeply affected him. Like, I, I can remember watching a show where there's a kid with Down syndrome and a bunch of people making fun of him. And I cried all night long, and I can still remember that scene. That scene deeply affected me. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, these things deeply affect different people in different ways. That's what we have to be respectful of. When we try to micromanage people with the world's biggest guilt trip, do you think Mother Teresa would watch Game of Thrones? Uh, I don't think Mother Teresa would be eating your Whopper that you're eating right now. <laughs> like, I, There's a lot of things Mother Teresa wouldn't do. That is way beyond watching Game of Thrones. And I understand the point of it because there is grossly immoral things. They say dirty crap. They do dirty crap. And heads get chopped off. Number one. (laughs) They do. Heads getting chopped off is one of my favorite things that happens in the show. Excuse me. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm trying to stay awake here and I'm on my second Coke Zero. Brah. I feel I I feel like I'm being defensive, but I'm not. I'm angry. I'm angry because literally Game of Thrones, the entire world is watching this show. There has never been a more popular show, and it's a pay. I mean, like it's super super expensive for people in developing countries to watch the show, and yet they are because the storyline is so good. And I don't mean morally good at all. I tell people all the time, they're like, why do you like it so much? And I said, this is an American J.R.R. Tolkien, George R.R. R. Martin. And they're like, what does that mean? And I said this before. Listen, the guy's, the guy's an ex-Catholic. Okay, He was raised Catholic. He got confirmed. He literally thinks the Catholic Church teaches there are three gods, but really like only one manifestation. He said that once in a Google interview. And so the, the seven is patterned after this, but also uses pagan stuff. The guy writes heavily pornographic stuff because our culture is heavily pornographic, right? So I think there's, there's, there's these layers where people justify themselves because they're prone to it. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with, like, I mean, you could take, there's so much wrong with professional sports, Right. Oh, I'm, yep. You know, like we pretend that professional sports is about the athleticism and we ignore the fact that it's really about the money, especially for the, the, the cartel owners of the teams. But we look, there's so much immorality bound up with so much stuff. But we're adults and we can be like just watching any PG-13 movie. You can be like, oh, well, this is the part where they say racist things and I'm not racist. So I, I you know, I feel uncomfortable at this part. But I would never mm-hmm. show that stuff to my little kids because they can't make that distinction. You know, and I feel like when people moralize like that, they're treating everyone like little children instead of being like instead of. I mean, we do this all the time. We abstract 
the good parts out and we discard the bad. We do that all the time. I don't think I'm a consequentialist for doing it. Son of a bitch, I'm talking in circles. I gotta stop talking. Well, no, and there's this is the last thing I'll say. There's a difference between watching Game of Thrones in your house, and I don't mean like behind closed doors in your own house where anything can can go. But so, for example, when we used to go to Cross Creek, which is the greatest bar in the world outside of um, Mango Junction, which is right outside of Steubenville. So I'll give you an idea for how small and isolated this great bar is. I used to play this great song by Limp Biscuit and, and DMX, which we thought was hilarious and had tons of cursing. And it was great. And our buddy Word was like, hey, man, you probably shouldn't play this song when like everyone's here like if you like because and i was like what are you oh you're probably right like yeah there's a difference between you and i watching game of thrones and like showing it to like a you know nine-year-old kid those are two very uh, different things or like broadcasting it on the side of my house which is illegal anyways you know like so um i think that it's an important conversation to have i think it needs to be done with a little bit more tact and respect for others um, but or I else do we're think... gonna shove you little pansies into <laughs> lockers. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, uh, With our sad. smug superiority and our sense of depravity, just it just oh man. What As we want to do, Luke? What we want to do is we want to catch up their lies in the vortex <laughs> and give them the uh, catching foxes. Hello, the old <laughs> hair tossle. <laughs> I have to find this guy, and I have to do this now. Now he has, think... like, a whole, like, news studio setup going on. Have you seen? Where does he get his money from? Uh, millions of baby boomers. Baby boomers, stop ruining everything. <laughs> so you covered up hard, hard, hardwood floors. You caused 2008 to happen. <laughs> Just stop. You put carpet on toilet seats. What do you think? Maybe that's oh the silent gosh. generation. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. You thought that disco was a good idea. Disco. Uh, actually, there are parts of disco. I was in a park. No, no, we're done. Night no. fever, night Luke, fever. We're I don't done. know why. It's one hour and four minutes. <laughs> you need to go to bed. It's 1 a.m. your time, midnight my time. It's. I love you, buddy. This is fun. Please say hi to sister and tell her that I'm really oh, sorry if I, if I made her mad if I scandalized her. I feel really bad. Luke, Luke. Do you see how many people on Facebook liked my prison? I know, thing? I did. I was really proud of you, buddy. That You're was crazy. Really there. Even Aunt D got back in the mix. Aunt D mixing it up. Did you see? She's out um, in France right now, and it breaks my heart because uh, I want to be in France. Did you see uh, <laughs> when I made the comment of I found five dollars today or something yeah, like that? It was so and funny. only my mom liked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Piatti. Oh, Piatti. I know. My mom, we didn't have my mom on the podcast. I, I tried to get her to come on one time, and she was like, No, 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 no. So then, we need to have my mom on the podcast. Then we could all feel guilty together. <laughs> you two son of a bitches. I really wish she talked like that. Luke's version of my mom is so wild. <laughs> Luke, I never liked you. <laughs> you, you call that a haircut? You pansy. You shove your ball, ass in the locker. You, you bald 18 chubby freak. Mrs. Gormley, I just met you. It's orientation. Whatever, nerd. <laughs> You're bald 18 chubby freak. Oh, sometimes I have difficulty coming up with show titles. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, Luke. All right, buddy. I love you. Oh, my gosh. I love you, too. Hey, you uh, know what I get to do tomorrow? Give a math uh, session. And you're going to tell them all. 
<laughs> Listen, here's the thing. You all put the vagina. Oh, la 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 la. <laughs> hey, Ethan from the Crunch ran up and we said hi to each other. Nice. That's awesome. And then I, I mentioned you? I mentioned Pites with Aquinas from the stage, and then they tweeted that out. Uh, sister tweeted that out, and I said, "Yep." And I didn't mention the Crunch. Take that. <laughs> so you need to. You need. To, I, I. You need to drop catching foxes at least once. I'll do it at the men's session. Hi, my name is Michael Gormley, co-host of Catching Foxes. I did that at my first my first event last night for my job. I just walked up to the mic and said, "Hey, I'm Luke Carey, co-host of Catching Foxes. Welcome, everyone." <laughs> I had had a beer. I had one beer. I had like no dinner. <laughs> Gave me the courage to do that. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful, Luke. You are a beautiful man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 